Farther along we'll understand why Cheer up my brother Live in the sunshine We'll understand it all by and by. Hey everybody, welcome to We Needed to Talk About Kevin, the only podcast where we watch every single Kevin Smith movie uh, and talk about them. I'm Ted. I'm Rose. I'm Trevor. And very special guest, uh, inventor of the two film rule, <laughs> Leslie Lee Third. Yeah, thank you so show. much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing on. we always try to do is uh, apologize to our guests for asking them to watch these movies. So, <laughs> Leslie also hosts a podcast <laughs> called Struggle Session. I think Ted. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. On that. Whoops. <laughs> uh, yeah, check us out. Patreon.com slash Struggle Session. We do uh, up to two bonus episodes each week for $5. We're giving you the best bang for your buck uh, when it comes to Patreon podcasts. No offense. <laughs> yeah yeah it's fantastic. we don't give you anything it's fantastic struggle session is one of my favorite podcasts so thank you so much for coming on leslie uh, thank you so much for having me rose has been on the show ted uh, did some editing for us you can really hear him in that uh, <laughs> i think it was our maybe sixth or seventh uh star trek episode so you can you, you can really hear you know the tone <laughs> uh, <laughs> specific of this uh, en- wonderful engineer thank you i appreciate that um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this week we watched Red State. Uh, what did everybody think about it? Bad. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just awful. Well, the first thing I'll say is that my wife came into the middle of it. Oh, no. Like right when John Goodman shows up. And she ended up liking it because it's oh. a much more coherent movie if you start from the basis of this is about like the Waco standoff, right? Yeah. Like sure. if yeah. you just, if it was just that movie or if it was just, you know, hib- hillbilly, you know, slasher flick that's supposed to be in the first half, you know, if it was one or the other, it could be, you know, a tolerable movie but since it tries to do you know both things and even a couple of a few other things uh <laughs> it really ends up uh not working out I, I did not on the whole enjoy this film i will say i liked it better than i thought i would but i still wow. i still did not like it at all but like it was marginally better than i had expected from a political horror movie coming from kevin uh-huh. it's so that, it was at least interesting like interestingly bad in a way that cop out was not i guess it really doesn't know what it wants to be like it's billed as like a horror movie and the first half of the movie it seems to be setting up a horror movie but then the horror movie never quite happens it doesn't really take off as a horror movie and then it just kind of like throws that away and shifts to like being about this waco style standoff and uh Kevin just really doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, I I hated I hated this a lot. I'm not gonna lie. This might be my new it's least favorite bad. movie that we've watched because it manages to suck on like a higher level than he was previously <laughs> capable of. Because all his movies before this were so unambitious, and this one he really tries to like do something 
uh, like trying to imitate uh, filmmakers that are so much better than him. There's a yeah. major yeah. like Coen Brothers vibe, I think. Uh, yeah. And he really oh fucks God. it up. He really yeah. doesn't pull it off at all. Yeah. Uh, the The second half is where it really loses me. The first half, I also don't think is very good. But no. if it was like, if it was a, not even like a super amazing intellectual director, if it was just a more fun director, then yeah. like it could have turned into something that was like, kind of over the top and, and gory and trashy and I probably would have been into it but we don't even get like that kind of satisfaction um, for the, the listening audience um, Red State is a film about uh, a bunch of high schoolers that through some app decide that they are going to go hook up with like some 50 year old woman in her trailer have a four way all, all of them together yeah all of them at once <laughs> uh and they go out there and oh no they've been kidnapped by a christian cult and while they are there and you're expecting the film to become a horror movie all of a sudden the police show up and it basically becomes like kevin's version of uh the the waco killings yeah, it's just a shootout from like for like most of the movie. Yeah, they uh, refer to Waco. Film. They refer to Waco too because John Goodman keeps talking about how the ATF has this bad reputation mm-hmm. and shit, as if they're still dealing with the fallout from Waco like twenty years later. I really yeah. doubt that mm-hmm. anyone on the ATF still gives a shit about that. But <laughs> in Kevin Smith's little universe, it's like this shame that has lived with them for decades. I will say, like, in this movie, there was... So when they shoot the first kid, they, like, wrap him up in cling wrap or whatever, and then, like, shoot him, and you could see the blood pooling under the cling wrap. I thought that was, like, very cool for Kevin. Like, that's one of the few times I've, like, looked at his movie and been like, damn, that looks kind of cool, and it wasn't an accident. I think that section of the film is, like, by far the strongest and did kind of get me interested for a little bit but it yeah. it doesn't turn into the kind of movie like you you want to see and then i i think the the uh the like head of the christian cult is like pretty compelling he's yes. a little over the top and there's a little too much exposition because it's kevin smith oh but... my god well i i don't even think it's fair to call it like exposition like he gives an entire sermon in the film uh-huh. uncut yeah. No cut, like he just gives a full sermon, like you're sitting in his church, <laughs> which I'm sure sounds like a clever idea if you're you have actually something to say. But the entire point of the sermon is that he's you know fucking crazy uh, for the audience, just to let us know that these are you know Westboro Baptists but with guns, and like he does like there's yeah. nothing interesting in itself about the sermon we don't actually learn anything about the character or about the people from it i think like is he like he's supposed to be trying to do some kind of jim jones thing but he's now the jim jones because all those people in this church are like his family like Uh members and shit so like he's not really portrayed as this persuasive power so that if we watch his sermon even will be sucked in like it, if you're doing like uh like J- jamestown uh uh with jim jones you know you can show like the re- the kind of fi- uh, left-wing rhetoric that he preached to his people which made you makes you make you understand why they follow him but we're just supposed to assume that oh he's just crazy and all his family is crazy so i don't know why we need to see a full sermon from him yeah, that was the element I was most excited for with this film because uh, this actor, 
um, Michael Parks, I think his name is. He's yeah. fantastic, and he isn't in very much stuff. I mainly know him from Twin Peaks, and him as this oh. pastor figure, like he's doing the best he can with the material. Yes. He's really hammering it home, but there's nothing there. It's uh, it's really empty. Uh, so he's compelling, but the words aren't. I think that yeah. um, Kevin Smith. Uh, it. I felt like he was struggling to uh, make that 90 minute runtime. And the only way he knows how to pad out time is just by having characters talk a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's mostly what happens in this movie is a lot of talking. Yeah. A lot of talking. And a lot of like talking in a situation where like you wouldn't be talking. <laughs> like John Goodman's character has like a 10 minute conversation. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. On the a Blackberry <laughs> in the middle of a shootout. Like and the whole time bullets are just whizzing by like so much gunfire. They would have ran out of bullets by that yeah, point. Yeah, he he just watched his second command get his head blown off right next to him. And he just sits there on the phone for this very, very long uh, conversation. It's completely bizarre. And uh, I don't know what they were trying to go with this. Cause, and it's like a, a conversation about bureaucracy and yeah, the exact yeah. way that they want to serve the warrant. And like boring kind of procedural shit mm -hmm. that no that obviously you need to you do that before the shootout starts you have those <laughs> little things before the shootout starts not in the middle and i think kevin smith just got confused and he's like this conversation is boring so why don't we do it during the shootout but that just makes it it's still boring it's just yeah. happening during the shootout it makes the shootout more boring yes our introduction to John Goodman's character is like this one-sided phone conversation that goes on for what feels like 20, 30 minutes to me. And he just gives us so much information. It's just John Goodman talking and like explaining stuff like, over the phone. And it's just so boring and mm -hmm. dull and just feels like stuff that you wouldn't necessarily need to say. It's purely for the audience's benefit. Well, I, I mean, I if this movie were, I mean, but getting back to what my wife picked up with that scene, if this movie was a procedural about a Waco standoff, then those scenes like that are fine, you know? It's, sure. it's, yeah. yeah. But when you have, like, leading up to that, like, a horror movie that you're still basically in the middle of when the, you know, shoot, uh, the Waco standoff starts taking over, like, two, uh, like, one of those kids is still alive and we're in interested in seeing if he can get out or not and then it slows down a lot to this Waco standoff and the film yeah. shifts entirely perspective actually two of the kids are still alive at that point <laughs> and it's just and we just forget about them and then of course when they come back they have a, a little shine spot and then get shot anyway <laughs> yeah the the first part of the film feels like the setup to an Eli Roth movie Mm, and then yes. the second half is like a bad episode of Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even like fit together at all. No, like it's so jarring. The weird cult thing w doesn't fit together with them also having a shootout. Like I know that it's more realistic, but I don't know, like the scariness of this weird cult and then them having a massive like gun battle with police just doesn't. And what's like? It doesn't the... seem at all similar at all. What's the whole? What like? What's the? <sighs> 
I shouldn't ask about this, but what is the thematic <laughs> point of, yeah, uh, like, of turning it into this complex moral tale by the end? Like, what are we supposed to take from this? Because you first watch it and you kind of roll your eyes because it's making a much bigger deal about the Westboro Baptist Church than you probably need to make. Like, you don't really <laughs> no. need to make a movie about yeah. how the Westboro Baptist Church is bad because they're, they are just a small cult, cult and yeah. nobody likes them outside of their cult so you don't really like so it's not even really like a commentary on red states you know not at all like no. that's not the westboro baptist church is not really representative or popular or anything like that they protest the funerals of like uh soldiers and you know who come back you know because they they're anti the iraq war or whatever and yeah. they're anti-american so it's not really saying anything about the political climate uh, writ large um, when you're uh, focusing on Westboro Baptist thing. I guess maybe you could say it's about guns because this cult is able to buy a bunch of guns, but then you have like the ATF showing up trying to take their guns away quite reasonably. (laughs) But then you say the ATF, they're kind of bad guys because of Waco, which is, you know, a fair point. And, but like, I don't is but the cult is like should be sh- you know shot to shit by the fucking uh you know jack booted thugs and the the cult that they have since they're actually you know going out and murdering people so like you don't feel sorry for them being you know imposed upon by you know the pigs and you don't feel sorry for the pigs because they're pigs i i, I just don't know what the <laughs> point is well the 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 way they make the ATF bad in this situation where they should be justified is they have the higher ups very kind of cartoonishly order them to just kill everyone indiscriminately not <laughs> yeah. worrying about hostages yeah. or anything which is just crazy like they that that's the kind of thing that might like happen as a result of a raid that they fucked up but the idea that the higher ups are just like yeah you have to kill everyone fuck the children just kill mm-hmm. them all that's a little bit uh, I think over the top. I don't think law enforcement works that way. And it doesn't make sense because that was what went wrong with Waco is that the kids yeah. got killed. Yeah. And so they're like, we need to avoid another Waco by actually shooting the kids instead of them dying in the fire. And the weird thing was that, so there's like, it's sort of hand waved as the cops shot first. So that's why they had to do it. But like, then later, like literally in the last part of the movie, they're like, yeah, they're never going to get out. Anybody that's captured, it's fine. It doesn't matter. We have the Patriot Act. Like all these people are going to be in jail yeah. and never heard from again. So it's like, well, then what does it matter? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if there was this weird thing where it was like, you know, the cops are their own kind of violent cult. If you think about it, like, I think that's what they were trying to extrapolate. Yeah. But um, I, I messaged uh, Trev and Ted as soon as I started this movie, because within the first <laughs> minute, uh, it dates itself so much because like the Westboro Baptist Church, the hate around that belongs to such a specific area of like this uh, attitude towards Christianity that really belongs to the Bush era, even though this was made in 2011, where it's Mm -hmm. like not really saying much about religion at all. It's just like, this is stupid and crazy. Um, There was actually a really good episode of Michael and us, uh, this great, uh, the great podcast recently where they talked about, Uh, Louis Theroux's documentaries about the Westboro Baptist Church. And an interesting point they brought up is that, like, 
The Westboro Baptist Church isn't a cult like Jonestown. They aren't actually trying to bring a lot of people in. It's this one family and their whole structure is built around people hating them. Like they want people to hate them. So this, uh, so the kind of rebellion that Kevin Smith is showing here towards the Westboro Baptist Church isn't really rebellion at all. Like, this is the kind of shit they would love to see. <laughs> and it, it's even then, it's like, it's just about terrorists. Like, it's not about religion at all. Like, it's yeah. not even about the Westboro Baptist Church. Because like Leslie said, like, they don't do stuff like that. He even distances the fictional church from the real Westboro Baptist Church because John Goodman talks about Fred Phelps on the phone with his ATF seat superior and he's like no these guys are different because they're gun nuts also and it's like okay so he's saying like okay so this isn't really it's kind of like the westboro baptist church but not really because i wanted to suit my movie better and that's what you know law and order svu does every time they do a ripped from the headline story they make a obvious the character that's an obvious copy of something in the real world but then they have to have to mention it in the actual at the real person in the episode two to point out like oh this guy is so much worse or whatever i don't know why they do it is is everybody knows what the episode is about is it a uh, you think it's maybe like a legal liability thing to like avoid a defamation lawsuit? Like they have to be like, oh, but this is worse than the real life thing, which I'm not talking about here. I mean, I really I really don't think so. I mean, because I mean, it, you, you can't get sued when you're changing the name, you're changing the specific circumstances. Right. It's just and it just vaguely resembles some crime that happened yeah. in real life. Mm-hmm. And also, I think you can just put like a disclaimer and then just be like, oh, it's a parody. Yeah, they always do the disclaimer anyway. Uh, it should be noted that uh, this film has a cast that is way better than it deserves. Uh, oh Michael Parks, who is fantastic. You got John Goodman, Melissa Leo, Stephen Root is in this film oh, and yeah. completely wasted. Like, there are a lot of good people who should not be in this film. Well, this is what <laughs> Kevin this is what Kevin does with casting. When he wants to imitate something that somebody else has done better than him, he takes the cast directly from them. Like John Goodman and Steven Root are both Coen Brothers regulars, so he wants them in his movie to remind people of the Coen Brothers. And he also uh, two actors from Breaking Bad, um, Skyler and Beaver, are both oh, in this right. movie. So you yes. know, you know, he was loving Breaking Bad at the time, yeah. and that's probably oh, where all God. the ATF stuff comes from because he's like, oh, the DEA shit in Breaking Bad is cool. I want to do something like that. So yeah. he, it's gotta be so, so he makes it extra obvious by just casting actors directly from the things that he's <laughs> badly imitating. Yeah, seeing Skyler was the other part of this film that made me go like, like, damn, this is a flashback. Westboro Baptist <laughs> Church got Breaking Bad. Like, wow. Also, Michael Parks, I think, is known for being in like Robert Rodriguez movies and like Tarantino. I think so. Like, I def- he was definitely trying to cap. Did this come out after Grindhouse? Because I definitely feel like he's trying to capitalize on that uh, little craze. Uh, yes. Yeah, it did. Uh, and Michael Parks was in Grindhouse. Of course, of course he was. Right yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> One thing that just like bothered me randomly was when he's trying to explain how big of a gun, like how big of gun nuts these people are. He's like, no, they're doing like custom mods on their guns. <laughs> 
Um, and then later in the movie, there's a scene where John Goodman shoots a woman or sh- shoots like her husband and then her. And there's two close-ups on the woman and him and they have the exact same prop gun. It's the exact same MP5. It's just like a stupid thing that I noticed, but it's just like so I would never have lazy. noticed that. So lazy. It, it, well, that's the thing is like, it's identical. It's got like the same little like attachment things. I don't know how fucking guns work, but that bothered me so much. Well, Leslie, I think the reason that we wanted to have you on for this movie is that you're kind of an expert on elevated horror. And uh, Red State, in many ways, is kind of the first elevated horror movie. You might say Kevin Smith was kind of a pioneer of the genre. It's prestige, yeah. I kind of, I vaguely remember the advertising for it not really leaning too much into it being, like they they did into it being like just a straight up horror movie. I do remember it being like, it's supposed to be a film that has something to say yeah that's has yeah. that's yeah. An important mm-hmm. in some way like this is you know you know saying something about the real world that we really live in and you know i i, I feel like it, it was trying like before like this all, almost can also be kind of like a pre-purge movie too because the purge mm. kind of ah, yeah. had similar but is a much better bet much much better oh, yeah. and yeah. less pretentious series and even though i think it probably has some of the best politics in uh any films coming out right now mm-hmm. but yeah I, it is kind of meant to be I, I, prestige because i i guess because it I don't know. It it looks is shot pretty well. Like it looks pretty good. That's the preacher the sermon scene I think is, you know, the most prestige thing. Like that's the yeah. sort of thing you would see in like a Paul Thomas Anderson film, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was trying to he was trying to go for something. And and the last scene too, the ending scene, is like a scene from a much, much better movie uh, the last scene from a much better movie yeah that was very Cullen brothers for sure yeah that he's trying to do no country for old men yeah, straight no up yeah, yeah. He, he, cu- he cuts away from the action and like we don't see the yeah. conclusion which is straight out of no country for old men and like having the characters that we sort of thought were the protagonist get killed off unceremoniously and uh-huh. then john goodman as the tommy lee jones character making like a little moralistic speech at the end like that's all straight out of no country it should be it should be noted that in the original ending for this film uh the rapture actually does happen like that oh good sure yeah like it turns out that the cult is right um and it makes you go like damn that's something to think about that's so stupid that's something to think about (laughs) i think that's a much better ending because it's actual horror (laughs) it's actual horror it's like yeah it'd be at least interesting it would chill me a little bit if they had stuck with the like horror uh thing that they're going with at first and it ended like that it would work but since yeah. they like cut away from that and aggressively tie it into like the real <laughs> world of politics and shit that would have been like kind of a weird uh, left field way to take it after all the ATF business I think yeah and and also again I find the Westboro Baptist Church connection very bizarre with this type of a script because that's the other thing with the Westboro Baptist Church is that, you know, the people in the family believe it to a certain extent or whatever, but for the most part, it's clearly like a bullshit, like brainwashing uh, yeah. cult. Like it's not really like a 
it's not a genuine interpretation of script or anything like that. Like, like protesting with the signs is just like going to like a football game. For them. <laughs> yeah. And, and all those techniques like keep people within the cult. Like that's the only purpose of it. So if the original ending is that they're right, then it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense with uh, the way that the film sets itself up with like the real world. I don't think it makes less sense than the film actually made Yeah, them. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's bad either way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't yeah. Fred Phelps leave the church and like renounce the whole thing and say he was wrong about gay people and all that like before he died? I have looked into I have I have heard that before, but I've never looked into it. I'm pretty sure. I think there were some stories about him actually being gay and maybe admitting it like towards the end of his life now now that's a kevin twist that is a kevin twist that's <laughs> honestly i'm surprised that that's not what happened because that'd, that'd be, be a very better. kevin smith way to do it uh leslie you were connecting to uh, paul thomas anderson and that's actually definitely a very clarifying comparison to make just compare the preacher scenes in red state to the preaching scenes in The Master to like see what Kevin oh, definitely wanted his film to look like. And the thing is, we know from Kevin's own words that he is like, he doesn't actually do any directing. <laughs> so you got to imagine he's just telling like his cinematographer or whoever he has does do this stuff for him. Like, hey, man, did you see this movie? Let's make it like that. <laughs> Um, which we also know he does because he admits to saying that to Bruce Willis. Yeah, I'm sure he hired Ugh. a cinematographer who like made other movies he thought were good and were like, hey, can you make it look like that for me? And they just did it for him. I won't say I'll give kudos, but I will say that <laughs> I'm glad to see, though, that Kevin has returned to the independent film scene. Uh, Red State marks <sighs> an important shift in his career back to the pure, unfiltered, uh, id of Kevin Smith uh, straight uh, on film. Presented by his company, the Harvey Boys. The Harvey Boys. Oh, that's Harvey Boys. <laughs> I did not like reading that. As, as, as we mentioned in a previous episode, Kevin was spurned by his father figure, Harvey Weinstein, after the failure <laughs> of Zack and Miri make a porno. So he had to form his own independent company uh, to release this film, but because he still felt so indebted to Harvey, he named his company the Harvey Boys after the man himself. Uh, so I, I am at least more interested in this crop of films where it's Kevin untethered uh, than I am yeah, in, in Cop Out or Zach and Mary make a porno, which just like could have been anyone. Like I said, like I didn't hate this nearly as much as Cop Out just because there was something there. To, oh, like, I, I did. Like <laughs> I, it was, I don't even, I don't think it was better than Cop Out, but the experience of watching it was not as bad to me because it wasn't just nothing. And it had a, like slightly more good performances. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't think John Goodman was that good in this movie. I just don't think this is the worst I've ever it. seen John Goodman. I've never seen a John Goodman performance that I hated this much <laughs> just because they yeah. gave him all this, these shitty like long dialogue to chew on. It was just not good. And it's just, it don't feel like his heart was really in it. Last thing I'll say about this movie is that um, I do remember when this came out. I was listening to Smogcast, like, when this was coming up. And I do remember feeling like this was a big, controversial, almost like event-type 
film. Like, it felt like this film was going to have something big to say. And I think at the time, I might have convinced myself that it did because I really <laughs> wanted Kevin to pull it off. But now it feels completely hollow. And looking back, I actually see a, a pretty similar reflection between this and Dogma as being his other, oh, yeah. like, edgy religion movie. Yeah. Um, I would say between the two of them, Dogma is not only much more funny, but also much more clear on, like, what its perspective is. Whereas oh, this Dogma's one is way just better a mess. than this. Yeah. Way better than this. Yeah, this, this one's a mess. Well, like Dogma, I think that this movie also arose from Kevin's self-consciousness about his Christian identity. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys were talking about how, like, or Leslie said, I think, you know, there's no need to make a movie about how the Westboro Baptist Church is bad because everyone already thinks they're bad. Uh, the reason I think Kevin felt the need to do that is because of his, like, weird Christian self-consciousness where he feels he felt so strongly about the Westboro Baptist Church because he felt the need to distance himself from them. In yeah, particular, yeah. I think their homophobia. We've talked about the issue of Kevin <laughs> being defensive about being homophobic <laughs> in the past. And this whole movie just feels like, look how much I don't hate gay people. I like gay people so much, I made a whole movie about how hating gay people is evil. It, it all feels <laughs> very much like a reflection of his insecurities about uh his maybe role in these uh, social issues but mm. because he has so little to say about any of it he basically abandons the concept halfway through and kind of jumps to another topic which seems to be uh national law enforcement and yeah. doesn't really have anything to say about that either and yeah. uh it's Relay just the uh, game waco and also it's so funny to me that the evil guys at the end or whatever the, this is supposed to would be obama's justice department at this time right yeah <laughs> yeah so like the movie's called red state and it's supposed to be about like oh all the fucked up things about i don't know republican states whatever whatever he thought it's not he was even doing. about that at all but ultimately the big villain of the movie was the democratic uh <laughs> administration in washington so like makes what, you think so like what are you doing kevin what is this about makes you think yeah it makes no sense <laughs> to call it red state because like the victims here the kids we meet at the beginning, they're all like local, like red state kids, like high yeah. schoolers, and their teacher is like supremely woke. Uh, yeah, for yeah. reason, <laughs> I don't know what oh. purpose that scene served. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I forgot about because I mean, I mean, they're all. I w one thing I'll praise about this film is their the dialogue of the teens when they're talking to each other early. It seems very realistic, like what um, shitty high school uh, boys would say to one another. This is not praise of sense. what they say, because they say a lot of, you know, re <laughs> uh, regressive shit, but it's uh, accurate. So Kevin Smith does understand uh, what a 16-year-old boy is like. <laughs> yes. It's an easy headspace for him yeah. to get into. If there's one thing he understands, it's that. <laughs> oh, man. I, I do have to bring up, though, the dialogue at the beginning when they are in the class and the teacher is just like feeding exposition to the camera oh god and, i hate the way the teacher ugh. talks and, and, yeah and they're being like uh 
Oh, oh, that girl, she's part of the Five Points Trinity Church. What's the Five Points Trinity Church? You don't know what the Five Points Trinity <laughs> yeah. Church is? The Five Points Trinity Church is only the scariest Christian cult in the neighborhood. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. But on the 16-year-old thing, though, I will say that, like, what I realized looking back is the reason why I connected with Kevin Smith before is that the films Kevin Smith writes are what I wanted to write when I was, like, a 13-year-old <laughs> kid being raised in a very Christian household. Both Dogma and Red State are like the kinds of movies I would have envisioned in the middle of church and been like, man, when I grow up, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to blow this whole shit apart. <laughs> I'm going to make the, the craziest religious uh, movie. It's going to shock everybody. <laughs> I just feel like, I think I've said this before, but I feel like Kevin never writes a fucking second draft. Like he like mm. halfway through this movie, he kind of loses the plot and it completely changed. But like he, he doesn't like look back at it and be like, oh, well, this is kind of disjointed. Maybe I should kind of retool it from the beginning to be more like this or whatever. He It's just it's just like it comes out stream of consciousness and he just shoots whatever he wrote without giving it a second thought. The weirdest thing about the 16 year old kids is that was like the part of the movie that I felt was handled with the most care was like building up these three kids and like how they interact with each other kind of like a little bit of background about them and then they're just like literally killed off or don't have any real speaking parts again because he's being subversive ted he's subverting your expectations by taking these protagonists you thought you're following and just getting rid of them but the problem is he's not a good enough <laughs> filmmaker to pull that off. You're not the fucking Coen brothers, dude. You haven't earned the right to suffer. You have to prove that you can make a half decent movie by traditional standards before you can go trying to like, uh, you know, upend the notion of what makes a film or whatever. You're not allowed to fucking do that, Kevin. And the, the modern day version of this film, The Hunt, written uh, yeah, by that. David Lindelof, does the same thing, killing off uh, the main characters early. Except you, uh, except because they fucked up and didn't shoot enough footage of the fake protagonist. You know from the trailer who the real protagonist actually is, because all the other protagonists were only there for like one day of filming, so they couldn't do actual trailer with them. This lined up for the podcast pretty well. For uh, listeners at home, Struggle Session recently did a really good commentary on The Hunt. And it sounds like The Hunt is kind of similar to Red State in trying to be like a political horror movie that is both kind of marketed as a little bit trashy, but is also obviously trying to be a little prestige, a little... Uh, a little clever and elevated and uh from what i hear also fails yeah the, the, yeah it does fail it's the hunt tr is trying to be funnier and more in in scare quote satirical than yeah. red state red state kind of try is trying to play it straight uh for the most part the hunt is is supposed to be funnier and more a little bit more over the top but they both are made by people who like don't actually have any real coherent politics so i don't know why they're trying to make political in air quotes movies it's like it, you it, do you like you can't even like tell me like 
who you want to vote for in the Democratic primary. <laughs> you know, like you don't need to be spending like a million dollars making a movie with a broad political point when you can't like commit to anything and have no real ideology. Oh, another thing. If Kevin really wanted to make a horror movie about uh, the uh, commenting on the Westboro Baptist Church's homophobia, why aren't any of the heroes of the movie gay? Why are the three <laughs> main victims that we follow all these straight white boys and the only gay character who's really a character in the movie is the like self-hating sheriff who's a bumbling idiot and screws everything up and then also and it's dies a joke. from ceremonies. Like, He's not even one of the guys that the church is actively oppressing. He's just a side character. Why wouldn't yeah, and they know he, they know he's gay too and they like yeah. uh, don't do anything to him until he threatens them. Why wouldn't the first of all obviously stick with the original concept of it being a, like a horror and stick with that through the whole thing and also make be make the victims actual uh gay people not just some dumb kids that wanted to have a f weird four-way with an old lady <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you know sort of like the inglorious bastards thing you'd show gay people triumphing over uh the church i mean mm -hmm. obviously I think Kevin maybe had the idea in his mind that he didn't want it to be that simplistic and want it to be sort right. of complicated, which is why he originally had that rapture ending or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, even if you're going to do that, it's still braver to make the victims gay, right? It feels like mm -hmm. he was scared to really show what actual like homophobic violence would look like and distance himself a little bit by making the heroes people that he could relate to more if that makes sense so i think there's a chance that kevin just didn't think of that oh like de definitely i don't think he thinks about any of this shit really <laughs> I, th I think he's just like oh we'll have like john goodman he'll be a cop um uh these kids this one kid's been in a movie. We'll get two kids to go with him. The, the three uh, of us have put so much more thought into these <laughs> movies than Kevin ever did. And I don't even, I don't put that much thought into it. <laughs> I watch it. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to try not to think about that anymore. I need to get it out of my fucking brain. Ugh. Not uh, good, folks. Just, just, I, just a huge failure and an insult, frankly. It, it didn't need to be called Red State. Nothing about it bad title it could have been in like a blue state i don't like yeah it's just i mean it's just the church that's the problem <laughs> does it ever say what state it's actually in or is it just i have no idea generic uh southern uh, i'm just assuming state? kentucky but uh, that's i don't think it did not seem like that. kentucky to me um it seemed i don't know maybe arkansas it, it I, I could see Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas or like could it could have been G Georgia. Like I don't know. It's just like it, just insert any southern state, and that's basically where we are. It's also like such a misunderstanding of like what a red state is. Like all of Illinois except for Chicago is a red state, but it, there's Chicago there, so it's like it could be in a blue state. Like literally, there are weirdo like sicko cults like that in illinois kevin spent his whole life in new jersey and los angeles exactly. he doesn't know a goddamn thing about red states <laughs> <laughs>
That's why yeah, I had nothing to, to say. Hunt. Yeah, similar to Lindelof. <laughs> and yes. that's why they don't even have anything to say about it. They just like see this stuff on the news every so often. It pisses them off. And they're, then they're like, all right, I'm going to make an entire fucking movie about this thing that I'm not going to research or think deeply about in any particular way. I just can't believe that you would go to all the trouble of writing and producing and all of the steps it takes to make a movie like this without really sitting down and reflecting on it and thinking like, no, this doesn't really work. I don't really like, there's not, I thought I had something here, but it's just not really like, I don't know how you can have be so unself-critical that you actually go through with making this and not realizing how stupid and pointless it is. I think a more interesting look at a red state is um, True Detective season one Ooh, because like yeah. Yeah. Sure, the thing yeah. there is That's that sick. the like the weird little creeps that live in the woods and the big people like the big famous pastors who live in like basically castles are in on it together and that's like what makes it a red state is that like all the way from the bottom to the top like everybody is sort of like this and this like the cops are mostly good guys. Um, I don't know how ATF works, if they're like a federal level or just like local. But uh, ATF like is the, a federal agency, but they have field office. Yeah, okay. So like John Goodman presumably lives in this red state and he's doesn't yes. display any characteristics that you would think of. The The kids don't. The kids are just like normal high school kids like i went to high school in a red state to a catholic school uh and there were some kids like that and there was a lot lot of kids that were like super racist all the time so like they didn't put that in there at all like yeah even in the high school class there wasn't even a kid who was like maybe voiced an opposing viewpoint who was like oh i think that those queers deserve it or i don't know like maybe maybe not that blatant but nobody exhibited any of those like traits like, if you can write a brainless 16-year-old well, you can surely also write a brainless 16-year-old who's, like, a little evil and would say <laughs> something, like, that people would laugh at in class, but also it's... Or even not evil, just, like, Christian and an earnest, you know, yeah. Christian or yeah. in some way or another, you know? But uh, <laughs> you don't really get any of that. You just get this cult, and which makes me wonder, like, you could have done a movie just about the cult and the conflict yeah. that comes from kind of nowhere in the middle of it where, and it, it, you know, it pissed me off, but he actually, you know, addressed this um, in the script where the young, the cult girl, uh, the young girl is like, I want to save the babies. I want to, you know, and tries to get one of the people that they kidnapped to help her. And the guy that she kidnapped, I actually really liked this. And he was just like, no, fuck you. Because I think yeah. in most movies, they would kind of skim over the part where that girl tried to murder him, was complicit in like the murder <laughs> of his friend and would have been complicit in his murder. And he's just like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to help you. I hope you fucking die. Um, I I like that actual, actual part. But you could have done a whole story about her you know in that cult and maybe she actually was conflicted before the atf showed up or something like that i just have to point out that uh the actual line that he says to her when she's asking him to help help her rescue the kids he says suck a rescue out of my dick bitch (laughs) (laughs) that's good (laughs) so fuck you 
And if you want to save your precious fucking baby, why don't you suck a fucking rest you out of my dick, bitch? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much more to say about this movie. It's not good. Don't I, watch it. I, I, or maybe okay, watch so, half of it. Maybe watch just when John no, Goodman no. shows up. Watch that, I and then maybe it's a much more. It's an episode of Law and Order that's well shot. I I wouldn't recommend that part. You might as well just watch an episode of Law and Order instead. It's probably better than this. Oh, way better, way better for sure. I, okay, so if I were being incredibly generous, like if I oh, wanted to explain why this movie was actually good. <laughs> I would say that like the real message uh, at the end is because like they're like when John Goodman's like, oh, why did you order me to kill them if you're just going to take them to Guantanamo or whatever? And they're like, oh, because they're fucking animals. Fuck them. You know, like what it's really about. It's not that red states are bad. It's about the callousness that we uh, liberal elites have towards the red states mm. and how little we think of them. And maybe the reason that these Westboro people are so uh, backwards is because they're, they're looked down on and, and spit on. Yeah. But I don't know if Kevin really thought that through or like if he, <laughs> like if he just wrote it that way, cause he needed like a dark ending or something. Yeah. And you, you could also go and like further that it, it would take, far more skilled than Kevin has, but like say, oh, and this is like how the government treats a lot of the Muslim nations like in Iraq and Afghanistan where they invade and just kill everybody in a village because they can. But like, oh yeah, the, they don't the, mention that at all. The imperialism aspect is completely, excuse me, left out because they're not uh, protesting a soldier's funeral. They're protesting a gay person's funeral who was killed in like a hate crime, presumably by them. Right, and they're yeah. and they're protesting his funeral. So the the, the like, whole the whole war weird imperialism like aspect of the Westboro Baptist Church, where they blame homosexuality for nine eleven and all that. That doesn't get that doesn't get mentioned because then there are these other social issues that come into play that Kevin's not prepared to deal with. I think it is kind of cool to like protest at a funeral that like you killed the guy. It's like that meme where the guy's he's standing there and he's like showed up to my biggest haters funeral. Yeah. Just to make sure he's oh, I love just that to part. make sure he's dead. <laughs> that guy rules. Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> I will say I, I I like genuinely thought that was a really cool image, shooting a guy covered in saran wrap and then the blood. That was sick. Good job, Kevin. Or whoever thought of that, because it wasn't That you. was fine. <laughs> Maybe my expectations are just so low at this point. I <sighs> would love to know what the movie Bob thinks about this movie. Does anybody this know? This is a movie Bob ideology. I don't think he likes it, because I think Red State <laughs> is when he dropped out uh, with Kevin Smith. Really? Does he think it was like too nice to uh, rural people? Like, it didn't wasn't didn't make fun of them enough. I I, I would have to look it up. I, it's either that was because he got too mean towards critics, or it was because oh, like he, he made a video essays stuff. about it. Oh yeah, we we watched them for the episode we did with Jack. I watched them. Nobody else did. Um, I, I refuse. It's like a series of three, and that like like I said in the previous episode, like he says a lot of the same stuff that we do. <laughs> Um, which is yeah well we don't need to get into that again <laughs> we just don't want uh, to eliminate 75% of the country that we think votes the wrong way yeah I see I don't say that sort of thing um, but on the topic of Kevin Smith he was like yeah he just kind of like 
never actually improved that everybody thought he was. So I don't know if he mentions Red State specifically. I'll have to go back. No, and he watch. does a full and, video on it. Uh, it's called Red, oh, he does? Red State oh. Escape to the Movies. Oh, okay. Oh, Damn, I well, I guess we should have checked that out before we recorded. But <laughs> I don't think we, you have to check with fucking movie fucking Bob <laughs> before you talk about yeah, a film. I am, Even if he has well, movie in his name, I don't really the, think he's the expert he thinks he is. Well, it's just that, so Kevin is sort of the main villain of this podcast, but movie Bob is kind of a side villain, you know, uh, like a sub boss. Yeah, yeah. So, we, so we're sort of mildly interested in his relationship with Kevin Smith. <laughs> But you're right, it's not important. It's like in Batman or something where they've they've already killed off like one villain, but then they want to bring him back, but they don't want to bring him back, so they bring back one that's like very similar but different, sort of. Like the trickster and the Riddler. <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, Leslie, we do a segment on here called Kevin's Receipts, where mostly we just read Kevin's really bad posts. Uh, because <laughs> we haven't said it in a while, but this podcast is all about getting into the mind of Kevin Smith, understanding him not just as a filmmaker, but as a man. So unfortunately, that also means we have to engage with his regrettable online posting. Now, first, I do want to mention that Kevin did offer Red State to Harvey Weinstein, and Harvey said no. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's why Kevin went on his like big uh, self-financing tour where he would rant and rave uh, at critics of his. And I'm oh. sad to say, I, I looked through a lot of his stuff, a lot of things he said. He did a two and a half hour Twitter rant. And unfortunately, oh, no. it's just like... It's unbearable. It's not funny. <laughs> it, I, it just felt like a slog uh, to go through. But I did want to mention that, that he was on a, on a tirade when this film came out. Yeah, this um, was his first uh, roadshow movie, right? Which is how yeah, he's been... Yeah, this was been, the roadshow. Yeah, he, which is how he does all of his movies now. Whenever he makes a new movie, he takes it around on the road and probably charges an insane amount for tickets because... He's also oh. there and presumably talks for like three hours before the movie and yeah. another two hours I think after. tickets are like 50, 60 bucks. Insane. The funny thing is if you look at the Wikipedia, it says that uh, this film had a one week, uh, one week release uh, oh. at the New Beverly uh, uh, so that it would be eligible for Oscar contention. <laughs> <laughs> How many nominations oh. did it get? Does anyone remember? Uh, I think zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best actor, but it's one of the kids. The little, the littlest girl was cute. The one that didn't talk. I liked their little, the inter interaction that seemed realistic. Yeah, I think like it would have been interesting to show like the family cult thing too. When he does the big sermon monologue, like if it's a family cult, you should have them like chiming in and shit. I don't know. Just so it's more than a guy, one guy. Yeah, there there are lots of little hints of different character dynamics and stuff that none of which ever really get fleshed out because we kind of just jump from one perspective to another without ever really yeah. investing in any of them. So uh, Kevin, like the rest of us, is in quarantine right now, is in self-isolation. Oh. For, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, if you're listening to this in the future, the, the coronavirus stuff is going on right now. Yeah, we all hold up together in the official We Need to Talk About Kevin recording studio. Yeah. Leslie is trapped here with us now, unfortunately. <laughs> we yeah. appreciate you coming by. Oh, thank you. I wish I could leave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well we don't yeah. want you to get killed. So. 
So Kevin made a post that, unlike the other posts that we've done where it is like an emotional experience, where it is like overwhelming cringe, this one to me comes off more like a threat. So on March 16th, uh, Kevin Smith tweeted, pulled on my at master's official hoodie and climbed Snake Mountain with everything shut down. There's no excuse for me to not hike Runyon Canyon every day. And I have time to finish the Twilight of the Mallrats and, and Clerks <laughs> 3 scripts. Hiking oh and writing, God. that's my pandemic plan. And I just have to say, Mr. Trump, if you're out there, I hope you have a way to solve this pandemic because we cannot have Twilight of the Mallrats <laughs> and Clerks 3 coming out. This we we can't let this happen. Imagine like three years later, we have three Kevin Smith movies in one year <laughs> that he all wrote at the same time. <laughs> Awful. I need to publicly address this because people keep telling me, "Oh, Mallrats two and Clerks three, they're both coming. They're coming out." And I need to clarify that Kevin Smith writing a script is not the same thing as a movie actually being produced in real life. <laughs> yes, please do not put out that negative energy in the world. <laughs> the The odds of Mallrats 2 ever seeing the light of day are practically 0%. Like, that's not gonna happen. He's been, he's tried before. <laughs> Mallrats 2 has gone through several permutations. It was going to be a... Uh, a cable series called Mall Brats. He wanted to make a prestige television show out of Mall Rats 2. And guess what? Nobody wanted to do it. And he can't even get distribution for his movies anymore. He never finished his Canadian horror trilogy. He never got to make Moose Jaws, which would have been the third. Like, I would say Clerks 3 is a maybe. Clerks 3 could maybe happen, but honestly, I do think it's kind of a long shot. But if fans at home are looking for more Kevin content, as we all are, <laughs> uh, he also announced in this other tweet on March 19th that with the next small cast, I, Kevin Smith, oh, no. I'm going to start a sub-series of solo quarantinentaries for all my flicks starting with the ones I never did commentary tracks for. Oh. So Kevin is going through and he is giving you the commentaries you have been dying for. If uh, you're a big fan of any of the films we have talked about on this podcast, as uh, I know many of you must be at this point, uh, Kevin, you can watch along with Kevin as he explains uh, his genius right to you. I will not listen to any of those I will never listen to a Kevin Smith commentary track unless you pay me. Uh, feel free to DM me for my Cash App link. <laughs> if you pay me, I'll do it. Otherwise, it's not happening, so stop asking me. Uh, while we're all locked in the bunker, I will make Trevor listen to a no, commentary no. track. Um, as a form of this'll, punishment. This will turn into a, a red state uh, bunker situation real quick. <laughs> if that Dude, I've got all, I got a lot of booby traps going on in here. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to We Need to Talk About Leslie, thanks so much for coming on the show. You, I guess you already did your plugs up top. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, no, just check out, uh, if you enjoyed the show, check out Struggle Session, patreon.com slash struggle session. Struggle Session's great. Um, yeah. Follow me at Trev underscore drinkwater on Twitter. <laughs>
And if you are looking for more uh, quarantine and Terry's, uh, Struggle Sesh has a few pretty good commentaries that I've listened to lately that have been a lot of fun. So check out Struggle Session. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you need an alternative to a certain uh, Star Wars Episode One commentary that was recently released, <laughs> uh, on Struggle Session's Patreon, they, you can find the... Uh, the superior uh, viewpoint. <laughs> well, look, I'll give y'all, you got, since you're nice enough to have me on, I'll give you my exclusive hot take on Chapel Trap House, you know, decide to there we go. do a prequel uh, <laughs> trilogy commentary, that, you know, which we have already done on Struggle Session. Uh, I would say, I will say this, uh, nothing but love and respect for those guys. They're wonderful Aww. people. They've done so much for me and my family and other people by you know they got that big platform and then they helped out anybody who reached out their hand to them so i just want to say nothing but love to those guys <laughs> even if our commentaries are better um yeah i still love them. <laughs> yeah um i will say it's probably producer chris chris wade's fault um Fire okay. Chris, hire me. <laughs> Look, I, I like Chris too. Chris is a very nice guy too. I Chip really. is nice. So, so, Chris is nice. Chip? Give me you just call job. him Chip. Yeah, look, I fucked up. All right, look, okay. somebody give Ted a job so he stops uh, begging. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Wade, keep up the good work. Uh, no, thank you, me. everybody, for listening. Not everybody. Gonna tie me. And I got some friends I'd like to see again. One of these days I'm gonna settle down